What's up, rich friends? Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka your rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. And I'm going to start this podcast by bragging. Just humor me for a second. I was recently named to the Forbes top creators list for the second year in a row. And to say I was on top of the world would be an understatement. Everybody on my team was congratulating me. Random people from college and high school were commenting on my LinkedIn posts. And my Asian parents even told me they were proud of me. Shocking, I know. But Funny enough, just a few weeks beforehand, I had actually received a rejection that really, really hurt my feelings. Not only because I felt like I deserved it, but because I had put so much time and effort into my work. And hearing that no and being rejected was just such a gut punch. And as many of us have experienced, and I've certainly felt firsthand very recently, life is full of rejection. But oftentimes it takes a setback to create a set up for something bigger and better. Our guest today is no stranger to rejection, but she's also a three-time Emmy award-winning TV personality, co-host of the award-winning Lady Gang podcast, and creator of Superfan, one of the coolest new game shows across television. Everyone, please welcome Kelty Knight. That was so nice. And I love that we're talking about rejection today because I feel like that could be my PhD. <laughs> As always, Kelsey, I am so happy to see you again. We are old friends now. I feel like yes. we've known each other for forever. Yeah. Um, and a quick break now for an advertisement from our friends at Marshalls who always have the styles that make you look and feel like a million bucks. Marshalls has got your back with the latest high quality on-trend fashion, beauty, and footwear at amazing prices. At Marshalls, you can maximize savings and invest those savings savings in any of your future endeavors, whatever those might be. Managing your finances properly does not mean you should be sacrificing quality in the areas that make you feel your best. Marshalls makes it possible to get the good stuff for less, making you financially fit and stylish. Before we get started, I would like to do a little rewind and talk about your childhood relationship with money. Because the very first time when we met, you told me a really interesting story about not growing up with a lot of money. So tell us, what was your very first money? memory growing up? Yeah. So my first money memory, I am in elementary school. I'm really young, probably grade two or grade three. I didn't understand money, but my parents have put me in dance classes and I was taking one ballet class a week and one jazz class a week. So it was like Tuesday and Thursday. And I remember my dad losing his job and it was like just a really traumatic time in our family. Like you're just you know, your parents never say we're not buying anything or we're stretching food or we're whatever, but like you can just feel it even as a kid. And I remember the day that my mom came to me and I loved dance. Like I loved it. It was everything to me. And she was like, we are not going to dance this year. And so I got taken out of classes and it was because, you know, my dad just lost his job and we just didn't have the extra money um, to do those types of things. And so for me, like growing up, I always knew, you know, there were times in my family where it was hard and then there were times where everything was okay. But from then on, like I was always a hoarder of money. I always had this like mindset that like I was never going to have enough money, that I was never going to be okay and never felt safe. And so that really led me to be, you know, this just nutto banana about money. And to the point where like, I, I think the story I told you is like, I used to, I used to, I loved fashion in Hollywood so much that I used to like ride my bike to the library. And on the 31st of every month, the library would throw out, I can't believe they would do that. Um, They would throw out <laughs> all the old magazines, like the Vogue's and the L and I was in Canada. So like the Chatelaine and they would dump them for the new ones. And I would dumpster dive and take the magazines home. Cause I could never ask my parents for like $3 to buy a magazine. 
mean, like mm-hmm. ever, 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 ever. So that was kind of my early relationship with money. Yeah. And I'm sure that really set you up with frankly, a lot of fear and that scarcity mindset. Um, And you talked a little bit about like hoarding money, being really concerned about it. You grow up dancing and you end up deciding to do it full time. You had just told me that you were stressed about money. Did it ever stress you out knowing that being a dancer is not always the most lucrative job? Or did you feel like I can make this work? Yeah. So like I started working when I was four. I mean, I worked when I was like a kid. I used to clean the bathrooms at my dad's mechanic shop for $20 on a Saturday. But my first job, I was 15. I was in grade, I was in grade eight. I used to go after school. I'd break chicken bones at the least famous recipe check-in for $4 an hour. So like I was always, always working. And because I don't want my parents to have to pay for anything, my dance costumes, my competitions or whatever, even though they did. And so actually dancing, I never thought about dancing being a very, 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 very poor choice for life because I got my first dance job when I was in high school. I was still in high school. I was a senior. I had gone to Toronto. I'd taken the audition. So like in March of my senior year, they're like, come to the Caribbean. You're going to dance on Norwegian cruise lines. And I was like, yes. And I remember specifically the payment was $1,842 a month. And you could have told me I was Jeff Bezos when they were like, (laughs) when they were like, you're going to do shows, that's all. And you're going to get $1,842 a month cash. And we're going to pay for your room and board. I was like, I'm the richest person in the world. And so Mm -hmm. I took that job and I went and they would, it was so crazy being on a cruise ship. I don't know if this is illegal. I'm sure it's not, but like at the end of the month, they would take you down to like the crew area and they would literally hand you an envelope of cash. There was no like paying, putting it in your bank account, direct deposit. Like that didn't exist. It was just cash. And so you would work for six months and you would I saved everything and I would come home from my chip contract with like $10,000 Canadian in my bank account. And it was like, again, I was the richest person I'd ever met in my life. So I thought, well, this is going to be my ticket to making money. I can make money doing the thing that I love. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Then I moved to New York. (laughs) Then I moved to New York. So you, you talk about like having some pretty early success right away, but like when you moved to New York, were you instantly also the best or did you face a lot of rejection when trying to make dance your full-time career? I faced it. I faced so much rejection. It was Mm -hmm. so difficult. I was living in a flight attendant crash pad in Queens where for $200 a month, you could have one twin size kid bed in a room with six other girls. And the flight flight attendants, there was like six rooms. It was three stories. It was like just basically like a model house. I think they have them in New York too. So I remember remember like sharing my twin room, twin size room with like a bunch and people were always in coming and going. And I was doing anything for money. I was go-go dancing at clubs. I was handing out power bars in Penn Station. I was a perfume sprayer in Soho, spraying the Calvin Klein perfume on people as they walk by. You know, I was, I was two inches away from like selling a feet pick if that <laughs> existed um, at the time. It was like kind of pre-internet, but I was doing anything for money because the jobs were, I did have success, but I had so much rejection and such an expensive city to live in. I can remember having to call my brother. My brother's disabled and he has like, he gets a disability payment every month, which is very small. And like, you know, the girl is broke when she's calling the disabled brother to be like, can I borrow $500? Like I'm taking the disability money to live in New York City. Like it was dark. Yeah. And, you know, given how challenging it is to become a professional dancer, you're literally calling on your support system, literally calling your brother being like, please help me. But 
Was everybody supportive of this decision? Your parents, your brother, friends, or did you have like haters at home? No one could stop me. I'm a tornado. And so like, I think my entire <laughs> family, I know. Is, I, I, my entire family's terrified of me. So no one could stop me. And no one was really like, we were just so excited that all these years of hard work had like gotten me a kind of a career. Um, and I remember when it all changed, it all changed the year I got the Radio City Rockettes. So I had auditioned for three years. I finally got to be a Rockette. For people who don't know, what are you doing with your lives? It's Christmas is everything. But um, <laughs> the Rockettes are like the most famous and iconic dance troupe in America. And they have about 70 people in every year. So it's the most competitive thing. It's like the Olympics of dance, but the pay, the salary, and I don't know what it is anymore. This is 20 years ago, but at the time you could make about $30,000 a season. It was like, a, Oh wow. That's know, like actually really competitive. Yeah. It was like, I think it was like something like $1,800 a week. I mean, then they taxed it and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but there were a couple like key, key benefits. Number one, they had 401k because it was part of mm. Madison Square Garden. And that was the first time as a dancer creative that I'd ever even learned about a 401k. They also had this thing called tuition kicks where at the end of your season, they would give you $10,000 that you could use to further your education because mm. they knew that like, we're going to break you. And so you're not gonna be able to do this forever. So we want you to have that. And then the most important thing is you've got a year of healthcare. And wow. that was okay. like next level for a performer. But that 401k changed my financial life. I never had savings. I never had money. But at the end of the year, I would get this like piece of paper that was like, here's the country. I signed up and I was like, what should I do? And I felt so rich at the time. I was like, oh my God, $30,000. I'm so rich. So I did the thing that I did like the max amount. Cause I didn't even mm -hmm. realize I was like, no, no, if this is free money, I want the free money. So I maxed it out and then they matched it or whatever. And that was the first time like the the Vivian brain like was <laughs> coming to me. And I was like, wait a second, there's, there's, this is how people get rich. Mm -hmm. It's not just working hard and making money. It's doing stuff with your money once you yeah. have it. And so that year I started, this is so embarrassing. I started a savings account where I put $25 a week into a savings account. Like that was how bare balls I was. I was like $25. That's all mm -hmm. I want. But after a while, I had $500 and yeah. then I had $1,000. And like, that was really the beginning of me being like a crazy money girl. I love that so much. And you know that. And I find it so inspiring because you talk about being at the Radio City Rockettes. Um, you actually recently posted a video about how you were with someone at the time mm -hmm. and he was not supportive of you. And yeah. can you talk to me a little bit about that? Of like how you were able to push past having someone in your life who was like, ew, like your dreams are stupid. Yeah, that was the biggest heartbreak of my life. Because I'm Canadian, I had met a guy when I was working on ships and he proposed to me and I accepted. We'd never talked about getting married. Um, I was very young and this was a big mistake and there were red flags all over the place. But, you know, you're young, you're in love. I'm going to live in New York City. This is amazing. And so we had been together and I'd been teaching dance and I'd been hustling and and he'd seen me audition for three years. And the video that I posted on my Instagram was me in a bodysuit that I like spent all my money making in my power color yellow. And I had gone home from this was the night before callbacks. So I'd finally made it. They do two days of auditions. I finally made it past the whole first day, which is like when they cut from like, you know, 2000 girls to like maybe 50. And it's a huge mm -hmm. deal to get to the callback. So I put my body suit on. I put my tap shoes on. I'm like practicing very slowly to get every detail. And at the end he goes, no offense or anything, but that just seems ridiculously easy. 
and I think, I think there was jealousy there, but I think that he was a normie. I call him a normie, like was not in the arts, did not understand the arts. And so I think he wanted a wife, a, either a stay-at-home mom or like a wife that was going to like work a nine to five and have a salary yeah. and not be like, I have a job for three months and then I don't work for three months and then I got a gig and then I don't have a gig. Like, I think it was very um, jarring to him that this was going to be my life. And I think that that, um, you know, to be with someone who has an inconsistent income and is in a field where you can work and make a ton of money one year and then make no money the next year, like it's hard, you know? And yeah. so I think there was a lot going on there where he's like, wait, this isn't the kind of life I want. I want security. And to me, security didn't even come into my mind until literally like last year. Like I've been like, it's going to be fine. I'll figure it out, whatever, you know? And, and only now I turned 40 and I was like, wait, I got to be secure. What if I lose it all? (laughs) Just realizing that like maybe show business is a bad choice, you know? Yeah. So we've talked about somebody who was really pretty horrible to you, but I want to pivot because there is someone in your life who is so, so wonderful to you. So amazing. We're talking about your husband, Chris, and I'm sure he's been your biggest super fan. Get it? Uh, (laughs) uh, And as you've launched your newest hit game show, super fan, can you talk to me a little bit about the show and why you were so inspired to create it? Is it just because Chris was like, Ooh, go Kelty, like all the time. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So after I finished dancing, I moved to LA and I started working in TV. Um, and I really spent 10 years grinding like the lowest paid person, 4 a.m. hall times, working till 10:30 at night. I mean, it you don't get to just like create your own TV show overnight. Right. So I just want to like say, like, there's a corporate ladder in Hollywood as well. And I definitely like I started in the mailroom and then worked my way up for sure. And what's crazy is when I first met Chris, I had, I was still teaching, kind of teaching dance. I was, I was still teaching dance um, because I was doing like a digital series. I wasn't making enough money to live on. And I remember us having dinner one night and he, this is so crazy. But at the time he was a, an assistant, he was a mute, he's a music manager now, but he was an assistant yeah. and he had a six figure salary. I think it was just, just over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And it was like, again, you couldn't have told me he wasn't Jeff Bezos. I was like a six <laughs> figure salary like that. This is my dream man. And he was just an assistant. Yeah. Sugar and daddy. I, yeah. I was like, oh my God, where's the Gucci? Um, and I remember him saying to me, like, you're going to out earn me. He's like, you will out earn me. He's like, you have the possibility. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it's so crazy because I worked my way up and, you know, then I had a six figure salary and then I had three different TV jobs and then I had my own show. And then we launched the podcast where the earning potential was unlimited. And then, you know, so it's really wild that his premonition and belief in me, he was like, no, as a talent, like it's true. You get paid more than you probably deserve because it's not a corporate job. You're like, I'm the shiny thing. And so people will pay you money to be that shiny thing. I didn't believe it at the time, but we, I think what worked in our, what's worked in our marriage and in our partnership as like kind of business creatives is that like, we both we love to spend money. Like I will go on a huge fantasy vacation and I don't care. I'll fly myself business. But then like, (laughs) 
we will look at our groceries and be like, or look at our, you know, we'll cook our food in our house. And like, we have a savings goal every year that I put in my journal. And like, we don't make any big purchases till we hit the savings goal. And like, we look at our finances every single month and we diversify and like have invested. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of cool. Like he's really taught me a lot about that. And so I feel very safe with him and I feel like he does believe in me. And that's a really good feeling. Because I know a lot of women are like, there's a lot of, and what I, this is why I love you and I love what you do. There's so much shame around money, asking for it, being in a relationship, being able to spend your own money, make your own money, ask for your raises. Like we see it all the time in my podcast, Lady Gang too. It's like people don't know how to talk about money. And I think it's just really important what you're doing. Yeah. And listen, I think it also has so much to do with like your own self-worth. You can certainly believe in yourself and want the best for yourself, but if you don't also have people telling you like, Hey, I believe in you. I think you're special. You're the shiny thing in my life. Like it's hard to sometimes just remind yourself that that exists. Yeah. hundred percent. Hey, Kelty, we love talking about fashion style and savings, which makes this a great time for a Marshall's advertising break. Are you dressing for the life that you want? Listen, we are in the thick of fall fashion. And I just want to brag to you for a second. Fall is my season. I own it. I am always getting asked, literally was just in Paris. This just happened to me where I'm getting my high quality pieces like cashmere sweaters, silk blouses, designer denim. Well, the secret is out. You know, I'm getting it from Marshalls. Marshalls buyers identify trends in real time. So the shelves are always stocked with great finds every season. Marshalls gets you premium quality merch at amazing prices. Listen, this season's dresses, blazers, knits, and boots will have you net worth and chilling in style. I know that launching Superfan resulted in a mix of emotions for you. Yes. How has this show affected your self-worth? And, you know, what other ways does your self-worth ground you during like really hard and busy times in your life? This is such a good question. Um, Something that I've been trying to celebrate and also cried a lot over. Um, (laughs) So... So I just want to like put it in perspective for your listeners. So I I created, co-created a television series, got it sold to one of the biggest networks. I executive produced it, co-hosted it and created the show. So it is like my baby time. It's like triplets. She said, um, I did everything. I, I did it all. I just, you know, I designed the logo. I designed the set. Like, I, I mean, it is all me. And so I'm very, very engaged in it, but it was not the best financial choice mm. because for me, I make more money being a television host or mm. doing a brand deal or doing my podcast, to be honest with you, like going on tour with the podcast or doing a book, like all of that had a better payday than creating the show. I think we got, I think I got $150,000 to host the show, um, which was by the way, like a third of the mail, what the mail co-host made. And, and I, like, and I signed that budget. I'm like, I'm looking back and this is, this is my point. I have a point to the story is that I was like, well, I just want the show to go and I want it to be successful. So I'm willing to sacrifice anything on my end because I want everyone else to want to love it. Um, and then I made, I think a hundred thousand or $70,000 or something to be like the producer. And when you create a show, you don't make money on the creation of it until it's like syndicated and super successful. So, and then to launch the show, I spent about $200,000, if not more, making a premiere party, hiring a publicist, um, hiring a social media team to edit clips for me. Um, I, I hired a stylist for the show that wasn't in the budget because I wanted to wear beautiful clothes. Like I played for my own plane tickets back and forth to New York to promote the show. So like 
the money, I made no money on the show. I made no money, but I thought that like, this would be a really good investment. And if the show did really well, then the next season I would take a bigger cut or I would, you know, so I spent all of that money. And then what was really hard is that like, I spent all this money trying to make it go and the show did okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the show did okay. It's very difficult to make television and make it a hit. Um, but the show did okay. And then I was like bounded by all of these outward forces being like, you crushed it. You did so well. You're like the best. You're so smart. Look at what you did. But yet I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm in debt. Mm -hmm. I, I, the show's doing okay, but like no one's giving, no one, Oprah hasn't called. Like I'm just okay. And then I'm like, the truth of it, like the 40 year old me was like, was this a bad idea? Because financially this was not a good idea. Like I could have launched my own podcast. I could have put all of those five years of time and energy into Lady Gang podcast and doing, um, more work and building that brand. Like I really, I got sucked into like creating something for the man again, where I thought like, oh, if I'm like a corporate genius, then I'll have success where I've always had success just in my own lane. And so it's been a real catch 22. I didn't know if I answered your question, but it's been like, you need to spend money to make money, but like now I'm not making money off of it. And it's, it's, it's been hard. It's been really hard. I'm like, what did I do? What did I spend all my time for? Why did I work for free for five years? Like I just, yeah. Ultimately, have you come to a place where you feel either you know, tip the scale one way or the other. I don't know. I'm, I'm working on myself at this moment. Like I'm in a lot of therapy. I'm just trying to (laughs) figure out because, because I'm like at this, I'm at this point in my life where, and, and I don't know if, if other people can relate. So please tell me if I'm being like crazy, but I'm at this point where like, I can keep working for the man. And when you work for the man, you get the title that looks good on LinkedIn. Cause you're like, I'm the correspondent VP person of sales. And like everyone in the world knows what that is. They're like, Oh, she's a this. Yeah. Or on the other lane is like me, like I host a podcast and I have a media company and like, I don't have a big boss. I don't, I'm not under anyone's umbrella of safety. It's just kind of me out there. And I can imagine that there's people that like want to start their own business or they want to get out of like that corporate rat race to like maybe start their own firm or something like that. So it's like, I'm sitting at this crossroads of like, do I continue to work for the man knowing that then that man gets to decide if I'm good enough, if I'm not good enough and they control my destiny, but it's safe. It's Mm -hmm. safe. Or do I continue to invest in myself and my own things? But like when you have a bad year, you just don't pay yourself. And when um, you get sued, you pay your own legal bills, which has happened too. Like, so what do I do? Like, I don't, what do I do, Viv? (laughs) I wish I could tell you, I, feel like I totally understand where you're coming from because there are times that I take on projects and when it launches or whatever, I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted. Why am I not feeling happy? Or like, you know, in theory, if this is going well or doing okay, like, shouldn't I feel more successful? Like, shouldn't I believe all the other people who are telling me these good things? But when you are benchmarking yourself on, I would say more practical metrics, sometimes it can be hard to separate ego and like what is beneficial to you in reality and trying to combine those two things to build a career that you like. I mean, we're, we're having an existential crisis right now on this yeah. podcast recording. Yes. Clearly. Well, <laughs> and the thing is, the thing is, is that like, and, and the reason I was so excited to talk to you is because 
like then I think about little Kelty, right? And little Kelty, she, none of this could be in her wildest dreams, but what right. she wanted was financial security. She yeah. wanted to be able to go to the grocery store and buy the expensive pizza or have the nice fancy jazz boots that were a hundred dollars, you know, a fancy jazz shoe. Like she wanted the pretty costume. She wanted to be able to have those things and she couldn't. And so now I'm like, well, so much of this is wrapped up in ego. What, yeah. what is your truth? And sometimes the truth trickles down to bank account. And like, I know that sounds so vapid, but I'm like, I look at my husband and I was like, you know, I pay all of my brother's medical bills. I sent my parents for their anniversary on their dream trip to Tahiti in in January, like super expensive business class tickets. Like I really wanted to do that for them. I have a beautiful house. I have food on the table. If I want to buy flowers for someone, I can do that. If I want to buy something super expensive and designer, I can. If I want to, which I recently just did, you know, go down to my Marshalls in Studio City and... Um, redo like all of my towels and everything in that I don't actually need, but it's just like, oh, I need this basket or this pen holder or this shirt or <laughs> this sparkly, this sparkly shoe. Like I don't need any of these things, but I'm going to, you know, like I can go on a little spree. So like, I'm very safe. I'm safe. I'm loved mm-hmm. and I'm safe and I'm healthy. And like, I have a retirement fund and I have money to pay my taxes this year. Like I'm so much better off than so many people. And so I try to come back to, you've been good with your money. You worked hard. You saved a lot of it. If this all goes away, poof, it's all mm-hmm. gone. Nobody wants to do a brand deal. The podcast goes away. I'm never on TV again. I'm okay. I will be okay. Like yeah. that is a power. And so when I get spinning of like, do people like me? Why didn't they like the show? Blah, 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 blah. Like I, I actually, <laughs> my, I know your grounding point is supposed to be like your happiness or your family or your soul. My grounding point is my bank account. Like I just feel very safe in that. I know that's weird. No, it doesn't sound weird at all because little Kelty just wanted to never have to give up those dance lessons. And it comes from a very terrifying place. I admittedly, but you mentioned, you know, you're healthy, you're safe, you're happy. I think a big thing that goes into that is our friends. Speaking of which you and I are friends and I'm seeing you a couple days. We are- both sponsored speakers at the yeah. Marshall's Good Stuff Social. Um, oh, we're going to be the best. a killer slate of some of the most powerful women. I am so excited. Priyanka Jonas is going to be there. Yes. Priyanka so, Chopra Jonas no is going to be there. She is also, she's like an ultimate girl's girl. She's the yeah. coolest person. She's very us. Listen, this event is it it's like actually my dream. Um, they've held like kind of versions of this, like kind of warm up tests. This is the first one, but like kind of warm up tests that we were involved in. And like you, it's such a special couple days. You just leave feeling so inspired, so safe. And even though it's a fashion thing and like our looks, we were just talking about this before we started, like what we're going to wear, the looks will be there. The fashion will be there, but it's so much more. And every time we've done this, I just leave feeling like I'm a better person. I'm less alone. I leave with new friends like you. It's like the, I don't know. I'm just really excited. And they're letting me teach a class on manifestation, which is like one of my like secret passions. And I'm going to teach everyone how like I manifest my list every year. And it's going to be awesome. I love that so much. And I know um, some of our friends are going to be teaching people how to style themselves. Yeah. All of those fitness tips and how to level up your career. I'm just like really, really excited. And I think that looking good and feeling your best, like is just so important when it comes to having the confidence to ask for that raise, having the confidence to 
buy that new outfit for that interview to really be able to kind of level up your life and feel like you belong in the life that you have dreamed of. This is everything. And so people sometimes say, oh, well, fashion is so vapid and who cares? Let me tell you a story. There was a producer <laughs> when I, that I have an exact story for this. There was yeah. a producer that I worked with for a very, very long time. And she's a tiny little human, tiny little blonde girl. And she has never elevated her style out of college. She's in a skinny jean and like some sort of sneaker and like some sort of sweater on set all the time. And she came to me and she wanted my advice. And she's like, I really want a raise and a title change. And I said to her, and I think I'm not the first person that said this. And I think there's like some viral tweets about it and stuff. But I was like, if you want to raise, you better start wearing a blazer. I literally said yeah. that to her. I was like, you got to wear a blazer. And I actually went to Marshall's and I bought her like a couple, you know, blazers. I brought them to work. And I was like, hey, these are for me. Like, I know you, she's making no money. She does not have money to shop. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I got these for you. And she never wore them. And she's still in her same job. And so I'm just putting it out there. She never took the advice. She never dropped. And and people, she's so good at her job. She's so smart, but people do not respect her. They don't see her as a star. And I do the same thing in my career. Uh, people are always like, you're so overdressed all the time. No, no, no. I'm a star. And I really believe that. And like, you can be a star in the corporate world too. Like, I'm not saying obviously you have to be in a gown at Miss USA, but I, <laughs> I dress for the way I want to be treated. So when I go to the Oscars red carpet or I'm interviewing Cher next week, like I show up in a fit and, yeah. and show up and even- show out. Show up and show it. And even since I started working at E, like the E wardrobe team is just so much better than anywhere I've ever worked. And like my career, just because people everywhere I go, people are like, oh my God, you look so good. Your style. Oh my God, this is crazy. I'm getting more opportunities. I'm still a TV host. I still have a podcast. Nothing has, I mean, I got bangs, fine. Nothing other than these bangs has changed (laughs) other than I'm continuing to evolve my style. And style is... Like not monetary, but like it's something that we style is perception and perception yeah. is success. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I I think it's it's a truth that a lot of us are not ready to hear in that we are constantly being judged on how we look visually. There is, you know, there was a little bit of truth to this back in the day, no longer because I feel like airlines, just everybody's stuck in the back now. But sure, sure. And back in the day, if you were a businesswoman in a beautiful, you know, red suit, you were way more likely to get that free upgrade than somebody in a slouchy grout fit. Like just the way that dress, it's like dress for the job that you want. Because Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't necessarily, like, even if it's not necessarily true, like giving that aura, giving that confidence can make you believe that you deserve that role too. Thousand percent. And it, it's so, it's so strange because it should be that we can all Steve Jobs and just wear our black turtleneck every day and not be judged on it. But it is, it is something like, especially women, men judge women and women judge women. And we just Mm -hmm. do, we just do. And it's just part of it. And you know, I know that we're in like a more PC level world where there's like not supposed to be the worst dressed and the best dressed lists anymore and who wore <laughs> it better and all of that. But it's really about like, sometimes you just have to put your big girl pants on and your big girl pants need to be like a really beautiful tailored pant 
and you need to walk in with confidence and people will take you more seriously. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say other than that. It's stupid. It shouldn't be that way. You should be able to wear leggings wherever you want, but like (laughs) it's the, but if you don't adapt to the world that you actually live in, then you'll never be successful. Like, yeah, I want to be able to show up everywhere looking like kind of gross, like I do on this podcast (laughs) and have people and have people be like, oh, she's super smart and and does great interviews. But like, that's just not going to happen. Like I got to go, I got to put my makeup on. I got to put my look on and go to work, you know? Yeah. Love that. And I know we are nearing the end of our time together, but we yeah. have one final lightning okay. round. So okay. this will go really quick, but these are very fun. Kelty, what is yes. the worst purchase you have ever made? Um, the worst purchase I ever made, I was in Paris and I bought a vintage Chanel pearl necklace and I felt very pressured by the person in the vintage store. It was like very expensive. I'm going to tell you it was like $2,000. I've never worn it. And oh. now I don't want to sell it because I know I got ripped off. So it's just sitting there. Cost per wear, $2,000, not a good investment. No. I mean, maybe a good investment. It was just stupid. And I got like, I got caught up in the like, the lady yeah. at the stores making me feel inferior. And I was like, no, bitch, I'm going to buy this Chanel. Like, yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I'm mad. You're like, just because okay. I can. Yeah. And I'm like, I can, but that's not what I should have done. That wasn't a mm-hmm. smart, that was not a net worth and chill approved m- move. <laughs> um, what would you say is your biggest money mistake? I love asking these because I feel like it really humanizes someone yeah. like yourself who is so successful now, but like, come on, you have to have a really big one. Um, my biggest money mistake is having too many shopping apps on my phone. Um, okay, and fair. as, as a form of, as a form of like self healing or self soothing instead of picking up a book or going for a walk or like looking out my windows. Like I would just scroll, scroll, scroll and just feel like a has not like, Oh, look and dream about I'm easily influenced. So I'm like, Oh, well, if I'm scrolling this, scrolling this, like if I had this, I would feel better about myself. If I had this, I would feel better about myself. And then just filling up a cart. And then because it's all interconnected and your cards already in there, I'm just spending so much money. And so I actually, at the beginning of last year, deleted all of my shopping apps. I have my Marshall's app, which I love. Um, and it's a little, (laughs) yeah. And the thing is, is that you can like it, that's a, like, that's a smarter way to have on yeah. shopping online. Yeah. To still be able to des- buy designer, but not pay full price. Exactly. I'm like, what am Love I doing? It. Why am I paying full price? Like I'm so mad at myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Viv, you know, this, we both have long-term partnerships with Marshall's, but the thing is, is that we, I also, I don't know about you. Like I don't work with brands that I'm not like super fans of. So it kind of like, once I start working with someone, it becomes like part of my life. So, uh, I'm sorry to talk about it so much. I'm not trying to sound like a, you know, like a crazy commercial, but like, I actually do love the brand and I love that we met through the brand. And so, um, it's like influencer family at this point. Let's be honest. Like you saw me at the Forbes 30 under 30 summit. You saw me at, you know, all of those conferences I was speaking at. All of those outfits were from Marshall's. Yeah, because you're the cutest. Because you're the cutest. the cutest. Okay. Neon green aliens are descending down the earth. It's yep. a panic. You can only keep one outfit out of your entire closet. Which is it? Um, okay. So they hang on the same hanger. Okay. So I'm I'm going to tell you this. I, th- and this is not because we're going to the Good Stuff event. So when we did our, we did an event a few months ago and 
um, Ami Song, the style, uh, mm. fashion blogger, was there, and she was wearing this pair of pants. Do you remember the pants? They were yeah, like I a navy exact, blue trouser. I know the exact pair okay. of pants and outfit that she wore because I immediately ordered it when I got home. Me too. Okay, so that's exactly <laughs> what happened. So, so what happened was that she was wearing these pants and she looked so chic. And I swear to God, if I didn't know and wasn't like looking at her tag, I would have thought these were five thousand mm. dollar trousers from the row or like a huge like. Victoria Beckham, like a very posh brand. I mean, they were gorgeous. And she was like, they're Marshalls. So I went and I got them in black and blue. Um, And they hang on the same, they hang on the same hanger. So I'm just grabbing that hanger. But that pant... I know this is crazy, but I wear it with a t-shirt and sneakers when I'm like walking around, but I also wear it with a blouse and a blazer. It is the best purchase. Every time I put them on, I feel like it looks amazing on my body. And there's something about knowing that I got it at a really good price and I don't feel guilty. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I look really good, but I know I'm really smart and it was a good choice. It's like, sometimes I have this weird guilt. Like if I buy something really expensive, like the necklace I was talking about, and then you wear it and you're like, I'm literally a walking dummy. Like this is yeah. so stupid. What could I have done with this $2,000? I could have turned it into $20,000 if I invested correctly. Like, so the fact that it was meeting like smart, plus also they're the, just the best pants I've ever owned in my life. And they go with everything. And they're so easy for me to like wear with a crop top when I'm going into makeup, but then I can throw a blouse on and then be in like a, a meeting with executives. And then, you know, I can go to where put a, I've been putting like a black bodysuit underneath and then like go to dinner. Like, so it's the perfect freaking pant. I've never loved a pant more. I know everyone listening is going to want to know what it is. I will link it in my stories. It's the best pant. They're still available. I just saw them at Studio City Marshalls like last <laughs> weekend. They still have some. Love that. Um, okay. I give you $200. Okay. What item of clothing are you going to spend it on? I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna spend it on a black cardigan and I'm gonna be annoyed at myself because I have a thousand black cardigans, but there's just, there's so many options. There's the fringe, they're thin, they're thick. One has like a big cuff. Like I just love, I'm a very basics driven human Mm -hmm. being. Um, so I think I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna go get a cardigan. Like I'm going to go get a sweater, even though I live in California and I really don't need a sweater. Right. (laughs) Perfect. I just keep Uh, buying the same thing over and over again. So funny. But you're still excited about it every time. Every Every time. time. Every time. Um, Okay. So I know this is like a very, very like spicy question. No. Like asking to pick your favorite child. Yeah. Who are you a super fan of? Oh, so good. Um, I am a super fan of Dolly Parton. And I'm a a treasure. A national treasure, the sweetest lady ever. I'm a super fan of Shania Twain, which was crazy because I had her on super fan, which is like a real 360 matrix moment. I was like, this, this has got to be a dream. Like I'm not alive right now, but to be honest, like a nineties boy band is where my heart is like a spice girls, Mm -hmm. backstreet boys Mm -hmm. day, like over anything. I just went and saw the Taylor Swift uh, eras tour movie in theater. And I was in the theater with Taylor when she was watching it. And it was so fun because She's watching the movie and she's singing along. Like she turned into a Swifty and I'm like, you realize that's you, right? That's you. Yeah. Like we're all watching you. But it was so cool. Like anyone that went to the concert, like when she sings the man and she's like, if I was the man, I would be the man. I was like, yeah, I'm so inspired. So I'm absolutely a super fan of like how inspiring she is too. Love it. Love that so much. Um, And you. And you, uh, babe. (laughs) Yeah, you guys, I didn't pay her to say that. I just want to make that very clear. No, because you, I followed you. I followed you when I met you and you've taught me so many things. And when I had to make a big purchase, I used your credit card advice and it worked. Love that. Love that so much for you and for me. 
Thank you so much for being here today. I'll see you in a week, but Kelty, yeah. please tell everyone where we can find yeah. you. You guys, um, on Instagram, I'm Kelty. On TikTok, I'm funnier. I'm at Kelty Knight. On my podcast, Lady Gang, comes out every Tuesday and Thursday wherever you get podcasts. And you can see me on E! News every single night. And if you want to watch Superfan, it's on Paramount Plus streaming right now. Perfect. Thanks, Kelty. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. This is an advertisement from our friends at Marshalls. Marshalls always has on-trend and high-quality fashion, beauty, and footwear at amazing prices. So what does that actually mean? Well, it means maximizing your savings and looking good. Yes, we do while doing it. Managing your finances properly does not mean you have to sacrifice quality in the areas that make you feel your best. And being a financially fit fashionista is 100% possible with Marshalls. Marshalls gets the good stuff for less no matter what you're shopping for. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye!